Hello, welcome to episode 25 of the We're All Screwed Up and That's Okay podcast with me, Dawn Walton. Today we're talking about forgiveness and narratives. So I've been going through a bit of process in the last month and it's a process that I wasn't expecting to go through. When my mother died, I expected to walk away from my past. My past is a bit complicated. And one of the things I've struggled with all this time is being able to understand the narrative, being able to understand what actually happened. And being able to know what story is right, what story is wrong. I've had different adults in my life at different points. And each adult, when I've looked to find my story, has told me a totally different story with pretty much no overlap. And when you think about how you know who you are, you learn as you grow up, you learn from the adults around you, and as you get older from your friends and the relationships you have, and you start to understand. (laughs) The meowing in the background is not me, by the way, it's my cat deciding to help. Um, Sorry. So you learn as you grow up and you learn and you have your stories. And you may notice that some of us tell our stories repeatedly. It's like a validation for our behaviours and our actions. It's like sometimes it's an excuse. Sometimes it's a reason. But it's quite common to find yourself telling your narrative. And so we all have our narrative. And, and... We use our narrative in different ways. And the challenge is, if your childhood was split up, if you didn't have consistency, if you didn't have consistent people there, if you didn't have safety, if you didn't have love, if you didn't have those things, it's really hard to know what that true narrative is. So because of various experiences that I'd had that were not particularly pleasant, My plan was when my mother died to walk away from everything, to use it as a great opportunity to shut the door and just get on with my life. Because I get frustrated with myself. I get frustrated that I get stuck in my narrative. I get stuck in my past. And I thought, that's it. I can move on. But you see, the thing is that the problem moving on is it's kind of denying what happened. You have to integrate and move on, not just shut the door, block off, pretend it didn't happen and move on. And so that was never really going to work that well. But then I met somebody who could help me with my narrative. Now, about five or six years ago, I'd met an auntie that that was able to help me with my narrative and fill in some blanks. And it was just great to just have another point of information to to kind of build this picture of what really the truth was. And then I I met with this other person. and, And over the past month, since my mother's funeral, she's been helping me integrate my ideas of who I am by helping me with my narrative because she has a really different narrative and it's brought me to this interesting point so so you've caught me at this point where I'm in quite a, a good place I'm in quite a good place in many ways because I've started integrating my narrative and and realizing that there's an early part of my childhood that was really rubbish <laughs> <laughs> you might go, don't you know, you do go on about this quite a lot. And and you have mentioned once or twice. <laughs> but actually, it's only been me telling a story before. 
and I, now I've realized that I've developed all sorts of issues as a result of a part of my childhood that I thought didn't actually cause me any issues. Issues with attachment, issues with conflict, issues with identity, issues with food and, and listening to my body signals and all these things. And I'd actually denied them before because other stuff that happened later felt so much bigger because it was it was deeper, it was betrayal, it was all these sort of things. I hadn't realised all that other stuff had actually caused <laughs> all these fairly large problems. <laughs> it's been quite a revelation. And I go, oh, actually, I did have quite a rubbish childhood. Um, but I'm, I'm telling you this from a basis of I, I can understand it now. And that's because the narrative has changed. I've had a different person's narrative. I've had to integrate a few things. And one of the things I'm really aware of, and you'll know this because of the title of the podcast, is we're all screwed up, right? We all have our stuff. And I totally get this. But what's really hard is if you've spent the first 18 years of your life with some very screwed up adults, then it's really hard to separate yourself out from their behavior. And I help my clients with this. I help my clients reframe. I help my clients understand it's not about you. It's about the adults in your life. Uh, if you were replacing you in that image, they would have done exactly the same thing to any child. It's not just you. You just were unlucky. And I've always kind of joked that I was super unlucky and that I had all these screwed up adults. But at the end of the day, it felt like I was a consistent theme because I have a, a brother and, and sister to compare stuff to. But actually, when you see the narrative and you see the facts and you go through that and you get you know, a few points of data from a few different people and each person can tell you that they were screwed up adults and it was horrible what happened and it wasn't your fault. Then you can start to see each adult as an individual or I certainly have been able to. For their flaws, for letting me down, for treating me badly, for not caring, for all the things, I'm actually in a position to step away from owning that as being about me and seeing that as being about what I talk about all the time, screwed up people with screwed up stuff and me being super unlucky to be right in the middle of it. And, and the hardest one in this is my mother. And the reason my mother's the hardest one in this is because we had a great relationship. So for whatever the story was, and I, I really have no idea at this stage what the true story was, but my father and my mother split when I was like three or four years old. And I know that this was devastating for my mother. I know it was devastating because my cousin, who was 15 years old at the time, or 16 or 17 or something like that by that time, um, was very involved in the relationship, really helped my mother a lot, and had a really close relationship with my mother. So I know from her perspective that this was devastating for my mother. My mother was very ill. She had um, a, a severe problem with her spine and had to have a lot of operations, was in a lot of pain and was really struggling, but fought tooth and nail to get custody of her kids back. I know this is true. I know this is true from what my mother's told me. I know this is true from what my cousin tells me. And I know that over the years I visited, me and my brother had some visits as my mum started to get stable. And then eventually when I was about nine years old, I went to live with her and I never looked back. And she was thrilled, obviously. She was thrilled to have her kids. 
and we had for a year we had a great life and then things turned a little bit sour but my mother and I had a really close relationship uh, because she was disabled I was looking after her um, my brother had his issues going on and eventually he ran away when he was 16 and he's two years older than me so that was when I was 14 and that meant it was it was all down to me so to I had friends at school who were super jealous of my mother's relationship with me we, we used to do everything together I lived on Anglesey, so I grew up in a rural area, so it wasn't easy to go and do stuff with friends. Um, So I spent all my time with my mother. And as I say, to outward appearance, we had a a super relationship. And for many years uh, after I went to university, I visited regularly. Whenever I was anywhere, I would think about her and buy her stuff. And um, when she split with my stepfather, I supported her financially uh, until she got on her feet. And then she was the grandmother in my daughter's life and was a doting, adoring grandmother. So you've got this narrative. You've got this amazing story. And we can ignore the fact that at 12 years old, I told her about the abuse and she lost her temper and told me never to talk about it again. We can ignore that because of a unique set of circumstances, because she was disabled, she was in pain, she needed caring for, she'd fought for years for custody of her children, and I begged her to put me in care, but she wasn't going to do that because she'd fought for so many years. So in her mind, she watched out for me, which she never did, but she thought she was doing that. I can forgive that. I can, well, I can accept it. I would never do that. That is not my model of the world. Um, but I can see why she would do that. And over the years, as I got older, as I understood things and I tried to deal with my issues, and when I used to talk to my mother about it, it was clear that she didn't get it. She didn't understand what had gone on. And I've learned now that while she believed, she thought it was not that big a deal. She didn't think that much had happened. And, you know, the thing about abuse is there's a scale... There's no scale on it. <laughs> People think there's really bad and, and there's really light abuse. But actually, it's not about what actually physically happens. It's all about the mental and emotional stuff that goes on afterwards. So there is no scale on it. But but again, most people, when told about stuff like that, don't respond in a good way. So we can understand that. I can understand and I can accept that. But in the later year, when I'd taken him to trial when she was unable to provide a statement that could be used in court, when he was found not guilty because she didn't show up or provide a statement that was used in court and because she didn't get how serious that was and because he walked free to do whatever he wants to to anybody at any point, and he will because he has before. That was her responsibility. And at that point, I disconnected from my mother because that can't be overlooked. And I took away me and I took away my child. And this I've realised as uh, we've cleared a house, how hard that's been for her. But that's okay because that was her choice. At any point she could have just said, you know, I get it. I'm sorry I threw you under the bus. And I probably would have changed. So, So we've got this narrative. So we've got this story. And then I've understood this story different. So the cousin has been able to tell me give me more information, give me more understanding. So that in the same way as with these other adults that had their screw-ups, I've been able to see her in her screwed-up reality a lot clearer. 
I don't agree with it. I don't accept it. It's not the way I would be. But I see it. And I see why. And I see her flaws. And I see her issues. So you'd think that at this point we go, all right, I forgive you. I don't believe in forgiveness. You see lots of quotes about forgiveness all over the place. Like it's this amazingly strong thing to do. But for me, forgiveness is not only an active thing. It requires that you change your narrative. It requires that you change the role that the characters play. So you say, it was okay that you did that. And I don't think you should. (laughs) I think things happen. And I think actually, if you change your narrative, you miss the chance to learn from it. The chance to learn about what you're capable of, how you can come through the most difficult things and be fine, how you wouldn't be like that, how you wouldn't act that way, or maybe you would. Maybe once you get older and you're a parent yourself, you look back on something your parents did and go, ah, I get that. I, I can see how you would end up in that situation. I can see how a woman with whatever issues she had who was in pain all the time, who was dependent, would protect her own interests. I don't agree with it at all, but I can see how it would happen. And so for me, to forgive at this point would diminish the story, the narrative, what's happened, but it would also diminish my role in it. And I don't want to do that. I don't think that that's important to do that. So I I don't believe in forgiveness. I do believe in letting go. I do believe in moving away, stepping away from something and being able to accept that it was what it was at the time. That person, you were how you were and you can't go back and change that. There is nothing I can do to go back and change this narrative. And believe me, if I could find a way I I don't believe in in regrets. I I don't have regrets because I don't believe in time travel. I believe we are the best version of us that we can be at the time. But it's been really hard seeing how much my mother cared for my child. Had collected boxes full of stuff over the years with cards, with messages in them saying, I'm sure we'll meet one day. You know, I know was absorbed with thinking about us all the time. And I know how hard that would have been. And and I've had moments of wobbles. I had a wobble a few months back where I was kind of like, well, maybe I should let my child see my mother. Maybe I should take the pain because I'm depriving my child of that. And so as this process has happened, I think the thing that's made it more tricky is my child's changed their name. They, they've, they're non-binary. They identify as Ash now and... Um, All the stuff my mother had collected was for the old name. Lots of personalised stuff. So even though they can get all that stuff now, most of it is unusable for them because they don't have that name anymore. And if I'd, a few months back, said, right, we can do this, then they'd have had the chance, or even years back, they'd have had the chance to enjoy that stuff at the time. So I've had a bit of, (laughs) did I do the right thing? And I wish I could, maybe I should have. And, And it's made me sad, actually. Sad for what's missed. Sad for what could have been. 
But I don't regret it, really. I've just kind of learned from it. And learned that it is important sometimes to protect yourself. Because we can't control how other people behave. And at the end of the day, for whatever her reasons, my mother did something unforgivable. And actually, all the adults in my life have done unforgivable things. I can understand why, but I can more understand that I got through it and that was fine. So so when you see these quotes about, you know, strong people forgive, I don't think it's true. I think strong people are self-aware. I think strong people accept that they have a narrative And everybody else has a different version of that narrative. We all have our own stories. And it takes some strength to stare that in the face with somebody else's, somebody that's hurt you, to take a step back and stare at it and see it for what it was. And that's what I've been doing over the last month. And actually in the last week, I've had to do some really difficult stuff, staring stuff in the face in conversations with my cousin. I've had to read things that I don't want to read. And I've had to decide to accept the view of my mother that I didn't want to accept because I was so mad at her. And I don't forgive her. It's all right, she's dead now, so it doesn't really matter. But I do understand and I do accept. I accept the way it was. And I accept the way I was and I am. And I'm not going to hold on to it anymore because I don't need answers anymore because luckily I've got those answers. Now, sometimes you're not going to be lucky. So sometimes the characters that have caused the problem are so far gone that you have no chance of getting the answers. And in those cases, you don't need to forgive them either. You just do need to learn how to let go. Because if you can't get answers, and by the way, when I say get answers, answers that clarify your narrative, not answers that justify or validate anything. You can never go to somebody, speak to them about something that's happened, and expect that the answer they give you will fit nicely into the puzzle you have running in your head. People have their own views of things, their own interpretations, and sometimes those can be really painful because they miss the point, but they're still their own interpretations, and nothing about you changes that because we all have our own little worlds. So if you're going for closure, if you're going for understanding, if you need answers, please understand that it's highly unlikely that you will get them from other people's opinions of the events that you shared. You might get them from facts. I could get answers from finding the right person who knew why my mother and father split. But I can't get the why in terms of the emotion behind it because each will tell me a different story. So you might be holding on to something. You might be holding on to a need for somebody to tell you something a need to find somebody, a need to understand why. And my advice is be clear when you're trying to understand something. Are you trying to get facts that fill in the narrative that help you understand where you came from, what happened, 
what the events were, who played roles in those events? Or are you trying to get somebody to explain it so that you can feel, you can let go, you can feel better, whatever? Because if it's the latter, you're likely to be disappointed. Everybody lives in their own little world. Everybody has their own narrative. And that's why I don't believe in forgiveness. I don't believe in forgiveness because it's such an active thing to do. And you have to say, it was okay that you did that. I'm okay that you did that. And I'm not okay with the choices that my mother made. But I understand them. And I understand them far more clearly now. And I see why we're here. But I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with the way I was treated in my early childhood. I get it. I get it far more, unfortunately, as a therapist. The worst thing about being a therapist is you you understand why people do what they do. It sucks. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, yeah, that's because they're all screwed up and stuff. And you just want to actually get mad at people sometimes. It's kind of hard when you understand it. So, you know. It can help to understand it. It can help to triangulate with different points of information. That's what I've been doing. And and, and that allows me to go through my process and let go of it being about me. And that's been really helpful. And I've got more work to do, but I'm in a far better place than I was. And I'm getting there. So that's my advice to you today. Think about your narrative. Think about your stories. Think about where they come from. Recognize that we all have our own unique and very individual narratives based on our own situations and our own circumstances. If you're in a position to do so, talk to multiple people who have touch points in those same points in your life. Talk to them and see what their narrative says and kind of triangulate with all the different points of data to work out what the closest to the truth is as you go through. And if you're holding on to something where you need somebody to help you, to help you understand, to help you put something into context. Don't. Just let it go. You're not ever going to get the right sort of answer from somebody. You just let it go for what it is and realise how amazing you are with your determination and your strength to keep going no matter what. That's what's going to get you through the rest of your life. It's got you this far. It will get you the rest of your life. You are amazing. And that's the one thing you can be sure of. Hopefully this was helpful and not too waffly and I will speak to you again soon.